0: Brands around the world really need to focus on a new way of telling stories. And that's really fundamental to our business model at WaterBear. We set out years ago when we started the company, to really offer a dynamic, innovative, new way of communicating to audiences around the world. We are a free content platform, but with a few twists. In the community right now, we have about 3 million people. People always tell me, we think you've been around for like a decade. We've literally only been live for two and a half years. Growing a B2B2C company has its challenges. True impact, you know, when you're really running an impact-led methodology that starts right at the beginning of the process. You need to plan exactly what your intention is, the audience, and what you're trying to create. What should I know from you why you are right
1: now at this spot with high commitment to to change the world for the better?
0: I got great advice when I was a kid, um, which was... Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to Mission First,
1: the podcast to learn from successful entrepreneurs changing the world for the better. In this podcast, you will learn from entrepreneurs who have already found product market fit and are scaling up fast. We discuss their challenges and the strategies they have applied to make things work. Think of it as a masterclass about business and product innovation, growth marketing, and leadership. I am Gilles Toussaint. I help mission-driven companies exceed their revenue objectives with growth marketing, product-led growth, and LinkedIn personal branding strategies. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Sam Sutaria, CEO of the WaterBear Network. In my own words, WaterBear is a free Netflix made of inspiring documentaries and movies. This podcast is about entrepreneurs changing the world for the better, And their movie streaming platform is about a lot of different people who are changing this world for the better. They have more than 1000 movies and 600,000 members. Today, we are going to talk about how to set a new standard for impact in media, how to come up with a new business model in streaming and how they have built a B2B and B2C network and community. Ladies and gents, I'm super excited to start this recording today, right now with Sam. Sam, nice to meet you and welcome to Mission First.
0: How are you? Hi, Gilles. Yes, I'm, I'm very good. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's great to be here. A real honor um, and just excited to to chat to you today.
1: Yeah, the honor is for me. So can you explain me a bit, you know, this is Mission First. What's your, what's your company's mission or what's your mission, if you have a different one than the company?
0: I mean, I don't know whether it's it's good news or bad news. But I think my personal mission is very much the company's mission right now. Um, It's definitely been a it's definitely been a labor of love uh, for the last few years. I mean, put simply, we really set out to change the media industry for the better. Uh, we really wanted to set a new standard of ethics, metrics, governance, um, and impact across the, the global media industry. I mean, WaterBear, in a nutshell, you said it your words were great we are a free content platform but with a few twists you can take action you can dive deeper you can connect with others and you can really create tangible measurable impact around the world but at our core we're a we're a storytelling company you know we want to tell stories create compelling media that shifts hearts and minds and moves people to action um but it's been a it's been a hell of a journey. The last few years have been exciting, scary, motivating, sad, happy, all, all of the above. Um, but we're, we're very proud of, of the company we've built and, yeah, excited to dive in with you, Gilles.
1: I'm excited, too. So usually I interview founders. And I remember in one of my communications, you told me, oh, I'm not a founder. Uh, and, th- yes, I remember you, what you told me the first time we met. You were one of the first or maybe the first employee of the company, right?
0: Oh, yeah, FTE number one. Yeah, FTE correct.
1: number one. So, can you explain us a bit? You know, the timeline. When when did this? Uh, you know, how how was it for you to go from first employee now to CEO of the company?
0: Sure. I mean, starting just briefly with our origin story, WaterBear was the brainchild of an incredible documentary maker and and business person, Ellen Vindermut. Ellen is currently chair of our board. Um, she is our our founder. Um, she ran a Media company in Amsterdam and actually six or seven countries around the world called Off the Fence, um, which is one of our long-standing partners and shareholders, founding shareholders. Um, Off the Fence specializes in the production and distribution of factual content. Um, and Ellen, over that career, really found, I guess, a little bit of frustration with how some of the media industry um, practices were were shaking out. You know, she was frustrated about um, always having to bend and twist to advertising. Uh, and revenues and and, and commissioning editors and really dreamed of a day where we could have our own network, uh, which championed impact and a new value system. Um, And Ellen was obsessed with this idea for many years. um, And then we joined forces, um, yeah, coming up for five years ago, uh, which which feels pretty scary. um, And came over to Amsterdam and helped Ellen and our founding team at the time really get things going. Uh, so our our job was to build the first business model, raise the first financing, and and make WaterBear, or well, turn WaterBear from a nice idea into a a kicking and screaming baby business, uh, which which we did. And then um, over the last few years, obviously with our incredible team here, have have grown, have built the company, have have scaled now to. Many countries, many employees, and um, just very proud of, of what we've achieved and of course yeah it's an absolute ultimate privilege to 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 take on the CEO role, um, which is something that i've I've enormously enjoyed um, and yeah, feels like we've only just just really started so um, there's a long a long road ahead
1: what was your role when you you were hired for
0: I was looking after strategy for the company, so really uh, with our Core founding team, um, really building our, our commercial model, building our our revenue model, and and also looking after our overall kind of impact and, and company strategy, uh, which kind of lent itself quite well to to a transition into the, the overall leadership of the business.
1: What should I know from you, from your experience, your childhood, to understand, you know, why you are right now at this spot with you know such a high commitment to to change the world for the better?
0: That's a really interesting question. I, I got great advice when I was a kid, um, which was, you're never going to be happy unless you do something you love. Um, I mean, it's pretty simple advice. And I am very, very lucky in the sense that where I'm at now, I can combine something that fills me with purpose. I absolutely love the subject. I love the role, I have incredible fulfillment, an incredible team, and an incredible mission. Um, and, you know, I, I speak from a place of real privilege there in the sense of, you know, I know that doesn't materialize for everyone. And, you know, it was hard work and dedication and absolute bloody mindedness to 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 make it happen. And it doesn't come easy. But um, I think that that advice as a child was to really follow your follow your heart, follow your passions and, and really focus on what you love and then, and the rest will look after itself you know and so back then my passion was was nature was was biodiversity was conservation was natural history um became obsessed with the icons and the presenters of old you know Steve Irwin of course David Attenborough and and, and all the rest and just found myself lost in 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 television in stories stories really were such a support to me as a child you know i had a lot going on in life some good some bad and to be able to escape into another world, another planet through through television, through books, through stories was 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 a saving grace for me. Um and my career since then has really just been following a pretty, you know, nice progression from passion to passion. And I'm very, very excited and, and, and lucky that I can say that, I think.
1: If this podcast helps you, please do me a huge favor and click on the follow button on your podcast platform. It helps to grow this podcast faster and to convince the most impactful entrepreneurs of the world to join me in these interviews so that you and other entrepreneurs can learn from them. Yeah, and that's, a, that's only the beckoning with the Water Bear. Do you say the Water Bear or do you say the Water Bear
0: Network? Uh, I think now waterbear we used to be a bit funny and <laughs> and and make people say waterbear network um but I think um we realized that was that was uh unnecessary, so it 's just because your it. brand became so big, you know like Apple computers and then <laughs> I think that 's the first time we 've ever been compared to apples Gilles, but um i 'll take it for sure i'll i 'll tell ev- <laughs> i 'll tell everyone you said that I think we 've got a, a fair a fair way to go before that 's the case. Um, it's funny actually you get two types of people in the world people who know what a water bear actually is and people who have absolutely no idea what it is Um, and some people are really obsessed with it it's kind of like quite got quite a cult following the actual tardigrade the creature itself Um, you know it's featured in South Park it's featured in in quite a lot of pop culture and 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 modern day journalism but I think um, other people just look at it and go what is a water bear so I spend my life explaining what water bears are really that's that's the job
1: for those who don't know yet, just Google it, and you, that's the first thing <laughs> you yeah. see there. I just it's failed a at my animal. core mission.
0: I didn't actually explain what it is. I'll explain it. I'll explain it for you. It's um, it's a small micro animal. It's called a tardigrade. They live all over the world in the sea, on mountains, in volcanoes. They were even found on the moon. Um, And effectively, they're the most resilient creatures on earth, you know, you can literally shoot them with nuclear radiation, you can freeze them, you can boil them, you can mash them up. And somehow they just live on, you know, for for decades and decades and decades, they can even live in deserts where they will change their exoskeleton to be able to reform the proteins in their exoskeleton when water comes to be able to almost come back to life, they go into this state of kind of dormant um, uh, activity. Um, so they're incredible little creatures, micro-animals, invisible to the naked eye. And we just thought, how cool is that? Um, we want to we champion the water bears as much as we can. Because I think if only people would give nature the chance, step back and let things breathe, you know, we'd be in a much better place.
1: Wow, that's a fantastic, like, not a metaphor, but uh, I never thought about that when I, when I watched them. your platform. Um, when it comes to the platform, credibility is important for the, the users, for the, the audience here. Can you tell us a bit about you know how big this is at the moment in terms of impact and uh, and and then we can jump to the you know how you actually measure impact so how big is your team and how
0: big is your audience We have a team of about 40 45 people now um, we have quite an interesting uh, production model and and studio model so we work with a huge network of freelancers and creatives and production studios around the world it's not about our vision internally it's about really championing the the diverse visions of storytellers all around the world so it's quite hard sometimes to quantify how many people we actually work with because it, it it could be quite considerable if you if you think about all the different teams and freelancers and incredible storytellers that we 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 engage with so yeah it's a little bit flexible but yeah the core team here in Amsterdam and London is is about 40 45 people uh, in terms of the the progress of the business yeah we're we're growing pretty fast thousands of people are signing up every day which is really exciting for us we've just been through a very meticulous and delicate replatforming and just relaunched our new MVP product. So things are starting to shape up really well on that side. And we're moving into a really considered period of of, of resilient growth. So lots of product work is going on, some really incredible audience deep dives and data and everything that, like that. But in the community right now, we have about uh, close to 3 million people. Um, and that's across all of our different uh, channels, as you said, in your wonderful intro. So that's across our, our linear channels, our, our fast channels um, that are available on on Samsung and LG and Rakuten. So you can watch kind of 24 hours a day of of, of Water bear content if you really wish. Um, and then of course, we have our web and and mothership where we have our kind of what we call members. So rather than subscribers, we call people members. It's obviously a free platform, you don't have to pay, but we're really building a community. That's what sits at heart at the heart of the platform. And uh, that membership now is about 700,000 um, people, which is, which is really exciting for us. And we've got lots of people logging in each week to watch great content and, and take action. So things are, starting to, things are starting to move. I also must add, Gilles, people always tell me, we think you've been around for like a decade or, or whatever it might be. We, we've literally only been live for two and a half years. Um, so it's, it's really early days, but things are, things are going pretty well, which is exciting
1: yeah here i'm really speaking from my heart because i the different stuff i've watched like youth unstoppable uh, yeah. eating our way to extinction a i rangers you also have your your own uh movies you know i see extract mm. destroy repeat here which was a really like fantastic obviously animation movie but a short one with a with a clear call to action after when when i learn about about uh, you know uh, deep sea mining after um so how do you work with the with the difference freelancers, uh, which kind of model do you have to actually be able to, to do your own movies and to actually acquire some movies who are, uh, on other platforms, I guess.
0: A very good question. So the way we have looked at it over the last couple of years is we didn't want more bear, as I said, to be our creative vision in one platform. We really wanted it to be this diverse melting pot of stories and viewpoints and, um, and, and and opinions from from all around the world. So we set out to do several things. One was to obviously be a home for incredible vetted, trustworthy content. And so we have a, a small team in house that are scouring the world to find the latest, best, greatest films in our in our space. So films that have a real soul, purpose, impact, great characters, great Drama and Jeopardy, great stories, effectively, but obviously with a real purpose. And it's amazing when you start digging and when you find incredible young filmmakers and incredible new talent, how much content there is out there. And we always do our best to try and license that content, pay a a fair price and and get some incredible stories onto the the platform. So that's our kind of acquisitions process. Um, And again, if you are a filmmaker, if you're a storyteller and you want to get in touch with our acquisitions team, it's acquisitions at waterbear.com. And we want to be the, the home for that incredible, trustworthy journalism film content uh, that can really shift the needle on, on certain issues. But of course, we also wanted to create some original programming, um, because true impact, you know, when you're really running an impact-led methodology, that starts right at the beginning of the process. You need to plan exactly what your intention is, the audience, and what you're trying to create. Um, and so to have an original function was very important to, to us at the beginning of, of the company. What we do there is work really collaboratively. It's it's almost called a collaborative content solutions process. And we work with a range of brands, NGOs, storytellers, filmmakers, and almost play the middleman, you know, try to bring those stakeholder groups together uh, and to really try and run at campaigns in a really innovative, collaborative way. So with a film like Matar, which we launched um, earlier this year, it was really building a stakeholder group working with an incredible production studio in London, who really, you know, told the story from a from a place of authentic authorship and lived experience. So they'd really lived through the story that we were were trying to tell, which is a value that's incredibly important to us. It's it's no longer good enough to try and you know tell stories where you don't necessarily have that relevant experience. So we really wanted to make sure that that remains a core core part of our storytelling. And we work with a range of NGOs. We work with incredible storytellers and we provide obviously the financing and and the platform to be able to actually bring that project to to life. There's also a role for brands and that it's a key part of our innovation. We really want to champion a new form of brand-led storytelling. So it's high quality documentary storytelling that delivers for the brand, which we can dig into and delivers for us. And it enables us to run a lean, and mean model um, and work with these incredible companies and really start getting them involved in in impact storytelling as well.
1: Hey, before you jump to the next part of this episode, one quick info. If you don't wanna miss the best strategies for entrepreneurs like you, sign up for my newsletter with a link in the description. You will receive a summary of advice from each episode, get personal recommendations based on your startup stage and industry. And you will also receive my most useful growth and LinkedIn marketing strategies. Just follow the link in the description to sign up. One of your slogans, I think, on your on your new website is "always free for everyone," right? So how like how is a business business model working with the brands there? Uh, I saw one of these movies, I think, like recently, and and then I ended up going on. I don't remember which one it was. But it was about like I think vegan food, and then I ended up uh, going to a, a website that gave me a really easy-to-make vegan recipes. So I think that was one of your brand collaborations. How does this business model work?
0: Brands around the world really need to uh, now focus on a new way of telling stories, and that's really fundamental to our business model at WaterBear. We set out years ago when we started the company to really offer a dynamic, innovative, new way of communicating to audiences around the world. And that's what's unique about WaterBear is we get brands who are obviously carefully chosen and vetted. We don't work with everyone to be part of the production process. And it really becomes a co-creation opportunity. So we put a story or RFP out to our network. We have this incredible slate of documentaries and ideas. And what we're trying to do is work with our clients, work with our partners to try and find stories that really suit their mission, but also will deliver editorially for our platform. And that's a really innovative way of, of funding uh, content. And it's also a really awesome way to to work collaborative, collaboratively, bring stakeholders around a, a, a common theme or issue and actually create some really compelling media in the process.
1: So that's a bit like a brand or uh, like a marketing agency creating something for the brand, except that here you have the network, you know, what your audience care about, you know, it's not only about the brands You make it, I guess, first to the users, because at the end of the day, it's for the brand. Uh, In fact, like that's what lots of marketers try to do. Not always well, that's your strength in there. And does it mean it's your only revenue stream at the moment? Like, so you, you have a team of 45 people and the only like money that's coming in is from the, these brand partnerships.
0: Uh, it's one of our main revenue streams at the moment. Obviously, we're we're a production studio, so yeah, we're we're telling stories and and working uh, on on the partnership side as well. We also have fast channels on the market, so these are the the channels that I mentioned before on on Samsung and LG and Rakuten and, and others. Um, these obviously run more of an advertising model, which is which is generating revenue for us. But really, this is phase one, right? We've got some very exciting new plans building as our product strategy emerges as we start to scale. Uh, our community around the world really what we're trying to do there is innovate a new type of business model for media where we're obviously engaging that community and and deeply connecting with them but delivering a, a monetization plan that is completely in line with our with our impact strategy right so it's about how we can dovetail the commercialization sustainably of our platform but in line with our with our impact strategy and that's the big piece of work that's on deck for us at the moment uh, and uh, I'll have to say you'll have to watch this space, Gilles, because there's there's lots of exciting new uh, features and functionality coming out on on WaterBear that obviously will will enable us to grow that revenue uh, side of the company, but in a way that really maintains our values and and delivers for for the impact side of the company as well.
1: That's great to hear. So, in that case, I think you told me when we met the first time that you were raising funding. Uh, yeah. so so right now are you already profitable or what is this funding is this funding used for to be able to reach these milestones
0: later on so yes we, we we've we've raised several rounds of financing which obviously has enabled us to to build and grow and and get things going and of course we're still um a very young company so still uh, using that investor capital to to grow and and and, and achieve our goals. We will um, and have a strategy that really is, is 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 fully focused on this. Reach profitability as soon as we possibly can. Right, that's 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 the focus. We didn't want to set out to build a really uh, massive company that um, you know is 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 reliant heavily on 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 rounds and rounds and rounds of equity um we wanted to build something that's really truly financially sustainable and that can grow resiliently and and grow sustainably of course you know who knows where what the future holds there's some incredible investors and i have to use this opportunity to thank the investors who've supported us to date but yes we have obviously been using some investor capital uh so far uh and and we're working hard on a plan to to really reach that break-even point, so we can grow financially and also start to reinvest quite considerably into the community, which really is the f- the focus of of our community-first business. It's how we can reuse those funds, recycle those funds to deliver a better and more impactful experience for our for our community. Which we have eight stakeholder groups, but they're obviously one of the the, the biggest and best um, and most important in terms of our our member community around the world.
1: How we said we would talk about how to set a new standard for impacting media, and uh, can you talk a bit about how you measure engagement and you know, your impact metrics, uh, especially like the viewer actions and the, the behavioral change with your with your
0: platform? Yeah, absolutely. The, the the focus really is, of course, you know, two-way interaction. So being able to have a community and be able to engage with that community. So it's not about just running a campaign and, and offering a call to action and then measuring the direct impacts of that campaign, which of course we do. But it really is about that long-term interaction of, of, of the community members themselves. So we've just done some... Really deep audience work some some surveys um, and and some um, focus groups, and really building this kind of council of members to be able to really interact and not only offer a better product experience but also to start measuring things like sentiment shifts and behavior change and and, and more downstream long term outcomes. Of, of the work we do to show that long-term progression in our, in our audience behavior. The ultimate goal is to try and you know, awaken these, these change makers, these aspiring change makers, and to enable them to be part of the solution, to drive action, to be engaged locally, to, to be really relevant globally as well. And our ecosystem, our, our data platform that sits behind WaterBear, uh, enables us to to track almost every interaction on the platform to track all of the different activities, watch times, of course, and, uh, and all the actions that are being taken. And then we can start to show that individual progression in, in unique members uh, over over the long term. And of course, that's how we really will show and 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 communicate our, our long term impact as a company. And that really is the focus. Of course it's early days, Gilles, you know, we've we've only been at this now for for the last couple of years. But really the focus of the next chapter is is how we can really innovate in that space and deliver a really compelling opportunity for individuals to to champion their own personal impact journeys, which is something that we're we're working hard on at the moment.
1: Do you have a specific insight that you can share with us of you know something surprising you've learned or impressive you've learned from from
0: from from your users there's so many um one of my favorites which i think is really heartwarming is uh the idea that um a lot of our audience love seeing other incredible people doing incredible things and it's quite a simple concept but it's this idea that they take a lot of inspiration, hope, um, it reduces their anxiety, it, it enables them to be part of the solution by seeing what else is going on around the world and sh- and seeing the innovations and and resilience and hard work of other, other change makers and other inspirational people. And I just really love that idea in terms of our business strategy about how we can make that really come to life. Because, you know, on one side of the world, you've got people working on solar innovation, and you've got Another side of the world, people working on solar innovation, but they're not communicating, right? They're not talking, they're not interacting. They're in fact competing, usually, for finite resources. And if we really want to try and change this system, it's about how we can start to collaborate, share information, and really connect with each other deeply. And that, for me, was really—it was quite revolutionary, actually. It's like, okay, well, let's really lean into that. How can we, how can we share that information with 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 others? How can we allow them to share information with with us with with each other? and really start to you know spread that spread that knowledge so that for me was a was a big insight i think the other insight um was around the word hope uh hope's quite a funny word i think people really um dig into it in different ways there's there's a lot of fear and um and nervousness and anxiety in the word hope because you're almost leaving things to chance or you know you're just dreaming of a better future and i think trying to find the storytelling balance of of how you can inspire hope but also make it really tangible and practical and solution driven um that's a really interesting tension in storytelling that we've um that we we've, we've we've really dug into but i think hope is is a key aspect of what we try to do from a storytelling perspective as well how do you measure hope <laughs> I, I i wish i knew i wish i knew i think from from this from this side of things from a storytelling point of view um it was more around how can we instill the feeling and and the aspiration of, of of hopeful content into the programming that we're putting out there in terms of how we measure the hope scale. Maybe we should start a hope scale, uh Gilles and uh NPS yeah, hope scale. NPS hope scale, exactly. Yeah. Of course we um we've 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 dug into the different um you know systems and scales as as, as best as we can, but hope is this funny, strange, um slightly different tasting uh, emotion for different people. I think some people love it and some people hate it, but yeah, I think working on how we measure hope is a really interesting one.
1: I can testify for myself that as soon as I feel down, as this tendency of working, super being super motivated, working, 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 and then working too much. And then at some point the energy comes down because I worked too much and I didn't sleep enough. And I start to know myself now. So I know that, okay, when I start to be in a bad mood, I need to sleep more, energy will come back, it's fine. Um, and especially negative emotions of like feeling your needle, you, you can't move the needle enough. In your movies, I mean, the, the movies on your platform is, is, is one way for me to, to just sometimes look at something and, and be inspired by others. Sometimes my girlfriend is not a big fan, for example, of, you know, like she can't stand Gary V. You probably like, you probably know Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, you can yeah. hate him or you can, you can, you can like, as a person. And, you know, he's a marketer. That is like, you know, of course, it's idea of the world, vision of the world is probably not mine, but there is one thing that I like about listening to him or his content is always super positive. And, uh, and it's really like giving me back energy. And I think this is something that is, you can't measure that, but this is something that ha- it is happening when I listen to someone like him or when I watch all these inspiring movies from your, from your platform. You don't have to convince me on that. I can just... Say that this is really working, and this is giving me hope, and this is giving me a feeling of belonging to something. I mean, I'm not your platform, but uh, I feel uh, like by watching these all these people, that that there is something happening in the world, and some people are really fighting for for it. Um, Definitely. When it comes to the new business model, we talk about it. Let's talk about the building a B2B and B2C network and community what are your your advice for for the audience here who are trying to you know starting their own companies and they dream of beginning you know building the community b2c b2b what are your your advice there because you grew very very quickly
0: we, we definitely we, we we've definitely made some mistakes and learned along the way i think for us obviously growing a b2b to c company ha- has its challenges and i think for us uh the there can be a real tendency in 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 a media landscape to try and operate through a kind of church and state model, in the sense of you know you keep your your commercial team over here and your editorial team over there. For us, that's that's never really worked. Um, it's it's really uh, been a, a fully integrated approach is where we've had the best results, and and that's really hard operationally, and it's really hard for certain departments and teams who are really cross uh, functional and, and kind of multifunctional and and there are big challenges there with with how you can really prioritize and focus because you're trying to grow a community on the one hand but then also deliver for your partnerships on the other and you know there's there's a really there's a really interesting tension there but i think my advice is lean into that tension and really find the magic of when those two worlds come together we've had our best results we've had our best uh and most exciting Work when, um, when when that B two B world is really interfacing directly with our with our B two C community, and they're coming together and really, you know, that's really true movement building, right? And that's that's where we where we've really had our had our had our sweet spot and and, and really driven those those engagement and, and and results.
1: When you said super interesting, when you say these fully integrated approach, what are the best results you are referring to right now with this B two B
0: interacting with B two C? Well, there's two things I was really referring to one in terms of the the stories that we're creating. Uh, So when we're really bringing brand NGO filmmaker storyteller and audience feedback together to create a more compelling project, I think that's certainly what which what gets us excited. It's, It's far less about the vision of one creative and much more about this kind of holistic collective. What's the problem we're trying to solve? What's the impact we're trying to create? And how do we get there? together as a as a a group
1: hey just a 10 second break to tell you i just released a free video presentation to explain the three key strategies i used to get 7500 change makers to follow me on linkedin and to reach more than 1 million people this year with my posts it's free just follow the link in the description to download it
0: uh, we've got some really exciting um, projects coming up with with some of our long-standing brand partners like Jack Wolfskin and some of our big foundation partners like Foundation Conservation Carpathia and how we can bring those two worlds together because they have a shared they have a shared goal and that for me is something that I really want to champion more and and get more and more people around the world doing you know don't just try and produce content for a client you know try and bring bring other collaborations co-produce co-finance really work as collaboratively as as you possibly can so that's one area and then of course on the campaign side Jill, you know just how we can bring stakeholder groups together how we can tap into that collective brain power that collective kind of juice that really just generates so much of a different philosophy and and really brings people out from a way of thinking that may be very one-dimensional and, and challenges you in a really exciting way. Um, and again, I refer to our Matar campaign when we work with some incredible NGOs, a couple of amazing brands, an incredible film team, local partners, you know, um, international partners. And, and you know, it's definitely challenging, and it takes time, and it costs money, but um, the the output is 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 always definitely better.
1: Would you mind? I love frameworks. So would you mind talking about? That ex- that campaign example, for example, how is it organized on your side? How do, you, do you, how do you have this fully integrated approach from the beginning to like where where you you sit down together to decide what you're going to prioritize, what are you going to focus on, what uh, which campaign, and like just the choice of the campaign, for example, and, the, and then from there, I mean, not every details of course, but what are the big frameworks that you use to 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 sit down together and to decide. That you think are innovative, that some companies are not actually doing at the moment, or that
0: other people listening to here can can be inspired from. The way I'd really answer that is is in actually one word, which is trust. Um, I think that's how we try to to run our our business. It's it's not about us coming into a a campaign setting or assembling a stakeholder group and then trying to force our will or editorial vision or control into the process, which I think lots of creatives and filmmakers really feel um you know they almost lose that um that identity in the project because you know the guys who are footing the bill are really you know domineering and 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 create you know a a little bit of a, a rod for their back i think for us it's about really taking time in the early days to find the best trusted partner who really knows the subject and then really empowering them to to make the best film they possibly can now of course we offer our opinion. Of course, we offer feedback. We have creative reviews. We have all the things that you know you would normally do, and 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 I'd like to hope add value. Um, but I think for for me, the key framework is about fundamentally spending time to assemble that group in the right way, and then trusting them to to, to deliver. And of course, if they don't, then that's a, that's a different story. But we we haven't really faced that because we really do our research. We really do our diligence. Often, the film teams that we're working with or the campaign teams are the pros are the specialists, right? The NGOs who work in that space, we tell stories across almost every genre of factual content. You know, there's, there's, there's human rights, there's climate change, there's oceans, there's deep sea mining, you know, we can't be experts in everything Gilles of course not. Um, so really the only way our framework works is if we find people that we trust and we, we, we enable them to, to do what they're great at. And that's something that we will continue to do for many, many years, I think.
1: So, the trigger is a com- like a a, a brand uh, contacts you, or you have an idea of something you would like to focus on, and uh, from there the people you, you sit down and you try to find different partners that will enable these projects to come to life. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then you choose together. Like, and uh, I mean, it's a very interesting you're saying here. It's so like the you know Steve Jobs. Like you 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 except that here you you don't add only. Steve Jobs said, I think, that you know, you you hired smarter people. You are you hired smart people, and then you don't tell them what to do. And here, you just make sure you hire smart people, but also trustworthy people in terms of sharing the same values, sharing knowing that they will deliver a story that will be valuable for everyone, from the users to the brand to your streaming platform.
0: I mean, I'm I'm again honoured that you brought up Apple and Steve Jobs in this um in this interview, Gilles, But um, I uh I yeah I agree. It's it, you know we've had funny conversations in that ilk with some of the Googles and Apples of the world, where it's like they just hire incredible people and they let them figure out their own job descriptions. I mean, we're not quite there yet. Um, but I think in term, in terms of the the model, it's it's value alignment, right? As long as you as long as you um find the brand who who really understands what we're trying to do from a values perspective and is not trying to figure out how they can shoehorn brand placements and product placements and all stuff into the into the film as long as you find and that's what our role is right is to play that connector and and um facilitator uh from a from a production process and of course provide the wrapping and 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 financing and expertise particularly an impact that really makes the project come to life but you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, finding trustworthy partners over the long term from all around the world is, is the core of our network. That's right. Why actually sometimes we do like the, the phrase Waterbed Network, because it's not just a media network, right? It's a network of NGOs, over 150. It's a network of people. It's a network of filmmakers, storytellers. It's just networks on networks. And for me, networks and communities, that's, that's the future of everything. Relationships, right? You, that's, that's really the, the definition of humanity, in my, my view.
1: I had a discussion, uh, just reacted this morning about, like, I think the head of a brand at SEMrush. It was a post about one of the viral posts on Twitter that got commented by Elon Musk and had 4 million views and something like that. And the guy was explaining in this analytics that he made zero euro of money with it. And she said, you know, you can't have a viral post and have some value for your audience. And I was like, I disagree because I really think that if you use this, what I call the grandma potential in marketing, uh, this top-of-the-funnel versus bottom-of-the-funnel content. You can have your core audience. You can have your target audience. And you can choose to talk to them in a very, very specific way about something that is very specific to them. That's what I call the bottom-of-the-funnel. But then you can take that audience, and there are probably some stuff that they're interested in that are actually interesting for the masses. And you can explain it and talk to it in a very simple way. And that's a way to attract, to have a content that goes have the potential to go viral even know if it goes viral or not do you have some kind of framework like that in your in, in, in the way you approach your content as well that you want to have some content that it's very very specific for some audiences and also some content which is more you know for, for everyone
0: yes in, in a word i mean i think we're we're really getting into that nitty-gritty as we speak i think the last couple of years has been a lot of testing and learning and you know try this try that you know you already mentioned extract destroy repeat right let's try a animation in the style of um you know family guy or or rick and morty or whatever it might be and let's attack a slightly older skewing middle-aged male <laughs> demo and, and and it worked right you know suddenly we had this big influx well let's create a it, film. Did it work yeah, yeah, I love yeah.
1: the movie, but I was wondering about.
0: I'll, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wasn't calling you middle-aged, by the way, Gilles, But, I yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then all you have broken wings, which is a music video with Ludovico Iannaudi. Obviously, from a talent perspective, suddenly everyone in Italy pops off because obviously he's an absolute cult figure in Italy. So it was testing the role of talent there, right? So we've we've really in our storytelling the films that we've commissioned we've we've really invested in that variety um and have spent a long time working over the last months on on our really specific persona um or persona in in our community and how we can start to really target them very deeply with our with our programming to try and shift them through this this kind of behavior change journey that we're we're working through but of course that has to be paired with more of a kind of general top of the funnel content strategy that says something for everyone and really there's something for everyone uh hook is is critical um because i think if it if it was just if it was just hardcore climate programming you know it would just never really fly and and that entertainment piece is something that again we're we're playing with a lot you know we often say if you want drama fiction fantasy you know real world um uh, storytelling just look no further than the natural world, and there's plenty of that kind of really compelling media that we, we we use to bring those more general audiences into into the into the company as well so yeah, it's definitely exactly as you say:
1: I'd love to still go into in, into that part about the marketing side. Have you figured out what worked for for you you know in terms of media what are the top? levers or what are the biggest learnings you have in the past years of what is actually working for you in terms of growing your audience in in marketing
0: yeah well our social community is pretty active we have an incredible engagement rate um and shout out to our marketing and social team who've just done a, a, a really wonderful job um a couple of insights i think to share with with the audience you know positive news is is really resonating um, and again we want to try and balance everything's fine feelings with with the reality of the situation and the urgency of the situation and that's an interesting tension that we play with in our in our comms and in our marketing strategies but just to share one one insight a positive framing is is really working um, we do a weekly roundup of positive news um and that that just performs incredibly well um and I think climate as an area for us is obviously our 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 mothership it's our it's our um reason to be and and that is is why a lot of people come we have a a, we have a slightly obviously younger skewing community on on social who really engage with those kind of issues and are really kind of championing different causes so that that works too as opposed to some of the more human stories and human rights issues that we've explored but again that could just be a nuance of, of of our community rather than you know words to live by Um, But I think, yeah, that that positive news segment is really something that we've we've learned a lot, um, uh, learnt a lot from it always just, you know, smashes, smashes the results out of the park.
1: And shout out now to um, Oliver Doward. I don't know if you know know him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you know him. He became a friend actually, uh, and I met him. If friend is a big word, because we met only mm-hmm. a couple of times, but we really connected <laughs> directly. And uh, he, on LinkedIn, he's actually building uh, having think like fantastic results on, on LinkedIn because I think of that reason. He, he found this right balance of, uh, you know, he's not in the alarming side always. All oh, this is this is he, he's, he, I think giving a lot of hope to people by having these frameworks where he actually every week is actually like sharing some positive news. And I think that's, if I, one of the things I'd say right now to all the people I work with is uh, if you're a positive mission, uh, you have to use that mission. Uh, you have to take that positive parts and share it more often to the world, because this is what, especially right now, the algorithm, of course, you can always, you know, it's easy to polarize. And if you take very strong polarizing statements, I've done it, I had a couple of viral posts with that. It works too
0: clickbait in some ways
1: yeah and i mean i mean clickbait i think it's important i think it's important what you said you have to hook the audience so i think it's fine to to use some clickbait stuff on the hook part but then everything you develop behind if it's if you only talk about if you only use it to polarize people it works well for the algorithm but the, 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 what you read from that, the results you read from that are not usually what you expect to. Well, if you I had uh, the opposite, I had uh, you know one or two viral posts that were more about the positive sides. And when that happens, the amount of people reshare your posts, the algorithm is basically fed not by the, the commenting sections, which is like super agitated, but, the, but, the content but, itself. but by resharing and the content itself. And yeah. what I see is a the difference there is like the amount of people who are standing following me and then interacting with my content after is way, 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 way bigger or way more positive for myself too.
0: Yeah, that really resonates. I think we've we've certainly seen that from the kind of organic side. I think people who are genuinely interested in the topic and subject, obviously in terms of their attention, their engagement with what we do is of course way higher. Um so much so that we're really leaning into that organic way of thinking as much as we possibly can to build this kind of holistic community that are, are are there for the right reasons and that is 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 massively important i think in media today because as you say there's plenty of people there who are just there for the fight and there for the comment wars and there for the for the for the aggression and the tension and that's just not really the thing that we we're, we're really interested in um we have some obviously uh, interesting moments as any digital media company does um our, our our inbound uh comments are usually lovely and really the ones that keep us going you know we often each day just gets so many wonderful things sent to us of just like keep up the good work we're rooting for you you know you changed my life and you know you supported this and that really yeah one of the things that i take a lot of energy from um one of our lovely team members always shares the the highlights of the comments with 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 the rest of the company which i think is is a, is a really important thing to do
1: yes and i think that's something that it's a small stuff that really goes a long way in a in a team, so as an advice for for everyone, just make sure you have someone who always do that in your team, because you think mm. sometimes it it's, it can seem mundane or very easy to do and not so important, but actually it is important because you might be in a bad day, and actually one of these comments is usually what what
0: pushes you what putting you back on track. Yeah, I can't stress enough how important that regular touchpoint is internally. So, you know, you might be a great company communicating externally, you know, or even working communications, but we've still made so many mess ups in terms of how we actually tell that story internally, which is a different audience. And it's the most important one. Um, It's the team and, and really making sure that you nail that um, that, that regular cadence of communications in the right tone, in the right way for everyone who's working super hard is, is super important. Um, and, you know, we've started an internal newsletter now, which I think is is starting to really land some of the incredible, and even I, who I'd like to think know pretty much what's going on <laughs> across the company, um, you know, still read it and go, bloody, that, that's amazing. You know, we've done so much in the last, you know, few weeks. And I think that's, that's super important. How often uh, is that newsletter? Uh, once a
1: month. What oh that's that's great to hear that's uh so I, I can't I can only be hundred percent supporting you on that. What has been the hardest
0: for you in the past years? I mean I'll I'll reel off some of the usual ones fundraising of course. Um, it's never easy when you're a young company. I think media is is a challenging one. Lots of investors look at media with a with a squinty eye. They kind of go oh, I like the sound of this, but um, I'm. Not sure about it necessarily. Uh, so yeah, again, a big, big offer of solidarity to all the media entrepreneurs and, and founders out there. I think you know, really go after people who understand media. That's my one piece of advice. Um, we've been incredibly fortunate because obviously, impact is our is our soul. It's our DNA, and so we've tapped into an incredible network of impact investors who are really excited on the the industry changes that we're trying to make and the impact that we're trying to deliver and the impact measurement side of of, of our of our business um but yeah of course fundraising is 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 has been difficult particularly the last 12 months i mean you know the vc market has 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 really changed some say back to the level it should be i.e if you survive this <laughs> thing, um and work through that uh, then then you're really onto something and i can kind of proudly say we are doing that um but it has not been easy Jill i will i will be honest um and again i thank our incredible team for sticking with us through through some you know time lags and delays and and changes that we had to make but you know that's that's life that's 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 building a young business what's your advice
1: like for this like tough phase you went through probably have learned a lot as a ceo what would be you know what's the the learning or the advice you 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 could give to to the people listening to it in terms of fundraising
0: i see how pc i can be here um i i have learned a lot we we have learned a lot we 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 really enjoy fundraising, actually, and I think that's my first piece of advice: is turn it into something that you really love, um, and and find the find the joy in it. Don't think of it like you know your after school activity and your mum making you do your homework while running the company in the day. I think that's that's uh that's a recipe for disaster because you start to think, oh god, why am I doing this? You know, it, it's part of the job, right? I know it's I know it's a simple thing to say, but it, it it really is a framing that's really helped me. It's like this is actually the job, right? It's not like I want to get on with the job now no no it is the job um and and i think founders and ceos need to remember that and and think about it because it it has helped me during those darker times i also think um, really listen to the market um really really humbly take on feedback and and don't be afraid to change things while the plane is in the air so to speak you might have put together the best data room ever The best business plan you might have done all of your you know you must you might have gone through your deck 10 times checked everything and then one investor will come back and say have you thought about this and you'll be like oh i've just finished everything and then but really really listen because nine times out of ten you know if you're pitching someone you're pitching them for a reason and they have good advice and don't be afraid to make changes throughout um obviously just make sure your your file and document management is is up to speed so you're not sending out different versions of everything um as we sometimes <laughs> did by mistake <laughs> um but really i i genuinely mean that i mean things change you know fundraising can take six months it can take 12 months you know the business will have completely transformed over that time like for us we'd set up a whole new business unit we'd hired new people we'd made more money we we'd, we'd change things you know and and we it took us a while to get into the rhythm of you know making sure that everything was as up to date as possible as as it possibly can and i think lots of people miss that they think okay i've put together my sexy pitch deck my data rooms ready my financial model and then they sit on it and they try and pump it out for six months i think you know you really have to be as as agile as possible in in the fundraising process i think that's that's something that we really really took to heart may
1: i ask you what's the big thing you had to change
0: uh yeah i think <laughs> in short we we um well well tech really was was, was the big thing we, we we had to we we were fundraising while uh re-platforming the whole company uh which was ambitious um because everything was shifting right full data migration you know complete pivot new new dev partner new team internally and it was like It was just kind of funny because everything was adapting so quickly and we literally just couldn't keep up with the with the progress that was happening in the company and and making sure that we were telling the right story to to prospective investors. So that was a big change. Um, And of course, look, the market this year, you know, has has been tough. Right. So we had to we had to scale down a little bit. We had to make some difficult decisions and ruthlessly prioritise what our focuses are and that's saying something for, for someone like me who loves to do a lot of different things uh, and uh but yeah ruthless prioritization i think is uh, is is definitely something that i would i would also offer
1: what is the best advice you've been given as an entrepreneur
0: wow um that is a hell of a question um you have to give me a second to think about that find people in your life you can share stuff with that have nothing to do with the company. Um, I think we, we found our leadership team. We were working so intensely together. There was lots going on. We were always talking to each other morning, noon and night. And I don't think enough of us had someone we could go to just to go and shout or scream in a pillow or talk about what you needed to talk about. I mean, a coach yes but almost just a friend or an independent person or a family just and not even a family member because they'll always go oh it's all right darling you know that's fine <laughs> all that kind of stuff. um but someone someone independent genuinely independent who, who you can go and share um and just shoot the shit with to be honest um because I think that was that when when I found that person it was it was it was really really good and everything was in my own head for a long time um but I think really find that that external counsel. Um, and that's not a board member. That's not an investor. That's not a, you know, it's, it's really someone who's truly independent, um, who has no agenda other than just to kind of hopefully, um, offer their opinion. I think that for me was, was, was the best thing ever. Um, and just embrace, embrace it. You know, I think people, people always used to laugh at me, Gilles, because I always, one of my favorite sayings was we're almost there um you know i use every day it's like you're we're almost there guys we're we're gonna get there um and if you have that attitude you're just never going to be happy (laughs) because you're all there's always something else so i think um yeah that's why that's why we were talking about meditation earlier i mean being a bit more present with it i think and just enjoying the enjoying the steps and the journey um for sure
1: I think we have a lot of similarities because I, I tend to be like that—to never be happy, fan, to always be happy, but never be happy. Almost there. Uh, so, so, exactly. Uh, yeah.
0: But look, and also, but don't lose that. Of course, you know, just but sometimes it's okay just to acknowledge where you are. But of course, that 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 quest for continuous improvement is is something that I think all entrepreneurs do need, um, for sure.
1: Yeah and uh again, I really agree with the first part of your your answer here like uh Oliver has been a like a, a friend like that for me when i say a friend or a, a partner like that for me where i could i could we share very often our struggles and i think it's very important it's very important and, and and great to have someone you can share that is completely independent and have a a view <laughs> and have a, a neutral view on, on on that and not only your your, your friend or your your family. Um what is one book or one podcast you know uh, can it be both that you would recommend to our audience
0: The book I'm reading at the moment I think is really fascinating uh it's called The Creative Way um which is uh by by Rick Rubin um who's obviously the iconic music producer um and he just really shook my mind in a great way because I think he came from a place of very little musical ability said very respectfully and and he was a non-technical uh producer but then ended up building a career working with some of the best musicians of our time um and launching an incredibly successful record label and just being an absolute maverick and pioneer in the space and i think a lot of founders and ceos and, and execs should take a lot of learnings from that because it's about making other people's lives better and bringing the best out of them um, and really shifting from the eye space into kind of the space of others. And I think that has helped me a lot um, in, in, in my role uh, because you can't possibly be in the detail and an expert on, on product technology, content, impact, marketing, you know, digital finance investors ops hr it's just it's impossible it's like and that's only half of them right it, that's it, it's impossible but i'm in meetings you know almost every day on all of those things um so find find the great people in your life to to really own that space trust them empower them let them do their thing but figure out a way to add value to their life and and that book from uh by rip rubin was was pretty inspirational for me
1: He's the one who worked with uh, the Beastie Boys and uh, System of a Down. Oh, yeah, I, I listened to a podcast interview with him who was also, fantastic, like, really inspiring. I think it was uh, – so, yeah, I, I, that book wasn't my, my, my list. Then uh, I'll make sure I read it. Get it. It's uh, it, Yeah, I really recommend it. Um, one last question. Um, what, what is one thing – can you tell us one thing that – I wouldn't be able about you that I wouldn't that I wouldn't be able to find out online
0: oh there's quite a few things I'm not really online apart from on my LinkedIn which is good I don't have social media anymore uh which was a which was a good choice a few years ago um my heritage I guess I'm actually Zoroastrian um so I'm Parsi my my father was born in India um and the reason I have a moustache is because I'm trying to emulate Freddie Mercury. No, I'm kidding. Um, but basically, the, 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 the famous, the famous Zoroastrian is of course Freddie Mercury, and the um, the, the Parsi faith um, is one of the oldest, well, if not the oldest monotheist religion in the world, um, and is is very small, is very niche, but but has a fantastic mantra. Which if you've seen. Um, bohemian rhapsody you would have heard Freddie say it but i don't think anyone picks up on it but it's good thoughts good words good deeds um, and while i'm not religious um and yeah i'm a scientist by trade i um the the idea of good thoughts good words good deeds is something that i i hold true i think in in my life so yes i'm actually zoroastrian
1: thank you very much for sharing that and i i think i'm not recording on my home but i'm recording in a studio here and uh, there's actually a picture of Freddie Mercury just right, right behind me. So it's a, it's a nice coincidence. Um, what's your ask for the audience? Like all those listening to to us, are you, what, what, where can they find you? Of
0: course, we'll put the links in the, but uh, do you have specific to ask them? I do. We, well, you can find us at waterbear.com. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, you can download us on, uh, download us on the app store um, and yeah, check us out on the web uh the ask is we are going into a big phase of community building and that obviously requires two-way interaction with the community we just did a big survey where we had thousands of replies it was pretty (laughs) overwhelming actually people really like what we're doing clearly which is which is quite humbling um but if you are interested in what we've discussed if you're interested in film if you're interested in narrative shifts behavior change impact media technology how we use product to drive action um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to work with you. We'd love to interview you. We've just done 50 user interviews and non-user interviews. So we're just doing, we're doing quite a lot of really cool stuff. If you've got 10 minutes, if you've got half an hour and you want to um, you wanna share your opinion, share your thoughts, share your feedback um, on how we can do better, um, then we would absolutely love to hear from you.
1: If you want to get in touch with Sam, as he just suggested, just go to waterbear.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the contact us button. Good. Um, thank you so much, Sam, for this interview and all your insights. It was mind blowing. I had a really good time. And uh, I wish you all the best with WaterBear Network. WaterBear, I'm sure we'll, we'll meet again for sure. And uh, I wish you a great day.
0: Thank you, Jill. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Hey, if today's episode was useful, share it with your entrepreneur's friends so that we can all have a bigger impact on this planet and give it a five star on Apple Podcasts. That will make my day. Thanks so much in advance. Have a nice day.